Hey, I'm Kaylee. And I'm Sierra. And this is True Crime and Punishment. Episode 3. Today, Kaylee will be walking us through the Ryan Waller case. Take it away, Kaylee. The Ryan Waller case um, gained internet popularity and notoriety because the entire hour-long interrogation video is available to watch on YouTube, actually. So it's kind of gained some infamy that way. You can actually go look it up. It's still up today. Um, Don't go look it up yet. We're going to go through the case first. Then you can go watch it. Uh, This case starts on Christmas Day in 2006, so December 25th. 18-year-old Ryan Waller and his 21-year-old girlfriend, Heather Kwan, were supposed to show up for dinner at Ryan's parents' house for Christmas dinner. Um, When they didn't show up, his parents were concerned, obviously, but their son is 18 years old. It's not completely unheard of for an 18-year-old to kind of drop off the grid for a couple of days. But it was Christmas, and that's, you know, a major holiday. So it was odd that his parents had never heard from him, and they hadn't been able to get a hold of him. They'd called him before dinner, after dinner, and they just could not get in contact with him. They all lived in Arizona, so it's not like his parents were very far away. They decided to drive over to his home and just check up on him and see if everything was going all right, if there was anything that they could help him with, just see what was going on. They showed up to Ryan and Heather's home, where they shared that space with a roommate named Alicia and they were unable to get into the house. They knocked on the door. No one showed up. No one answered the door. So out of concern, they called the police. The Phoenix Police Department showed up, and they did not show up until around 11 o'clock that evening, so about four-ish hours after his parents had initially called for police assistance to do a wellness check just to make sure that everything was okay. While they were there to do the wellness check, one of the officers looked through the blinds of the house and said, it looks like there's a body in there. And so Ryan Waller's parents were ushered away from the crime scene, obviously. The police obtained a warrant to be able to enter the home after about 54 minutes of initially seeing that body. And then after that, a locksmith for the police department came to try and open the door. They were unable to open the front door, so they went around the back to open that back door. Um, And they weren't quite able to get that lock either. But 18-year-old Ryan Waller did end up opening that door for them. When they entered the home, they saw on the couch was 21-year-old Heather Kwan, who had been killed by a gunshot wound to the head. Ryan Waller was then taken into custody, and that's kind of where our story really gets started because of that interrogation video I mentioned. Ryan Waller's entire hour-long interrogation is available on the internet. Now, remember, the police did not get there till 11, 11.30. They had to wait on that warrant to enter the home, so Ryan Waller was taken into custody. He was handcuffed, let out of the house, and then sat in a police cruiser for about four hours. After that four hours, he's eventually taken back to the police station where he is photographed, um, things are taken into evidence, he's given new clothes, and he is sent into an interrogation room. I have a question. Is it normal for someone after something like that to be in the police car for four hours, like to be held that long before they're taken to the station? It's, I don't want to say it's abnormal because it does happen. They are on scene for a while, but it is a little bizarre. But the detective did have to go through the house and then get back to the station. But yes, four hours is a bit of a long clip in between, especially for a murder investigation. So then they're back at the station for about an hour, and then that's where the video starts. You can see Ryan being led into an interrogation room. A Phoenix police officer tells him to go into that room. Ryan then asks right here, and the officer confirms. He walks in, and he immediately sits sideways in the chair with his feet pulled up onto the chair. The officer then leaves and closes the door, and then Ryan is left alone in this room for several minutes. You can see in the video he is very evidently injured. His face is bruised. His left eye is swollen shut. It's very red. There's some obvious blood on his face. He's not covered in blood or anything, but it looks like he's been in a fight. His face appears swollen, but that's hard to tell if you've never seen a picture of him prior to his interrogation. Uh, Sierra, I sent you a couple pictures. Um, I have one from the from the front from a front angle and then one from the side if you can look he's got bruising around both eyes but his his left eye is very clearly uh swollen shut his nose that that looks awful it looks very painful his his nose appears very swollen and, and kind of i mean i've seen a broken nose it looks broken wounds to his nose yeah it's very weird wounds to his nose actually it doesn't look it looks like something other than getting punched right it, it looks like he's been assaulted. <laughs> it looks like he's yeah. been in a fight. It looks it looks bad. So he's in some evident pain in this video. He's alone in this room. 
So he he groans. He says, ow. His face is, is pensive. He seems very uncomfortable. Um, but he doesn't appear scared. Not at all. Um, so around the three-minute mark, he begins to fiddle with a handcuff that is attached to the table. Like, you know, if you've ever seen any cop show where they had the interrogation table and there's like a bar for a handcuff, there's a handcuff already attached to that rod. But he picks up the other end that is open and he places it on his own wrist and kind of plays with it and then he closes it. Now, remember, he's alone in this room. No one is telling him to do this. He just does it. Mm. Which is a little strange, I, I will admit. Uh, some of them walks in around the four-minute mark, but doesn't fully enter the room. Uh, Ryan shifts then to sitting with his arms crossed on the table in front of him, and he puts his hands on the table and his head in his hands. And he makes a couple of moaning or pained noises. It's, it's like, just kind of, he seems in pain, and it's just like kind of like, ow, ow, and it's evident he's uncomfortable, at the very least. Yeah, well, judging by his picture, I can understand that. Yes. He shifts his feet around. He's moving around. Around the eight-minute mark, he's still alone in this room. He tries to stand up um, and is stopped by the cuff. He seems a little bit surprised by the cuff, um, which, remember, he put on himself. He grabs a blank sheet of paper, or it appears blank from the video. It could just be so... The video could just be so blown out um, that it's hard to see. Uh, He looks at it, plays around with it for a minute, and sets it back down. At nine minutes, two officers come in And one tells Ryan to put his feet up on the table. He is barefoot. He's wearing one of those white, plasticky looking, I don't even know what the word would be, um, hazmat type suits, but it's not like like a painter suit. If you've ever seen someone who paints houses, a a plastic suit to protect their clothes, it's it's one of those because they obviously would have taken his clothes as evidence. So he's barefoot. He puts his feet up on the table. The officer then tells him to pull up his jumpsuit leg and put his feet closer together. Ryan does as instructed. He doesn't say anything. He does listen. He's taking commands. He's doing exactly what the cops tell him to do the officer proceeds to take several pictures and about at 10 and a half minutes ryan just says i just want to go to sleep and the officer responds not unkindly that'll happen sooner or later the officer then you know takes several pictures of his feet and then the other officer which we find out his name is detective paul dalton and he'll be very vital to the story um tells him that in a few more minutes that they'll have a chat his direct quote is in a few more minutes we'll have a chat Ryan says, all right, do I get to go home? The detective then says, no, you should go to the doctor's. That's where you should go. Why wouldn't they send him to the doctor's before? That is an excellent question. There is, it's legally, it's a legal precedent that if someone is injured, they should take them to a hospital if they request it. Um, Ryan did not request to go to the hospital. And even if they aren't requesting it, if they are deemed to be not of right mind, there's evident physical and bodily harm they should go to the doctor or to the hospital just to cover the police. Honestly, you never want to be put in a situation where someone can come back and say, I was injured and you didn't take me to the hospital because that just shows a complete and total negligence on their part. But again, he has a black eye. He's obviously been in a fight and they they fully do believe him to be Heather Kwan's murderer. They are looking at him as suspect number one. They're there to interrogate him, not to really find out what happened. He is there as the prime suspect. Yeah, so Dalton says he should go to the hospital because of his face. Ryan then points at his face and says, me, why? Dalton affirms. Ryan points to his eye and says, that? Dalton says, yeah. He says, is it bad? And then the detective says, I'd say it looks bad. And it does look bad. Yeah, it's ugly. It looks like it's very painful. Yeah, if you've ever gotten a black eye, black eyes hurt. I speak from experience. I once banged my face on a doorknob and I had a black eye that swelled my eye shut. And that hurt extremely bad so just the bruising and stuff that looks very very painful throughout this entire interrogation ryan does reiterate that he is tired um at one point dalton tells him that if he has a concussion he does not need to sleep they continue to take pictures of the bottom of his feet they swab the bottom of his feet uh ryan does seem to be in pain and the officers are not aggressive with him at this point which they are looking at him as the primary suspect they think that he is the one who has murdered his girlfriend 21 year old heather kwan but throughout this, this video is about an hour long. The real interrogation does not start until the 21 minute mark. At that point, Detective Dalton comes in, sits down, and asks a few perfunctory questions. He is asked to confirm his name, his birth date, and his social security number. He's just asked to confirm with a verbal yes. He's not asked to recite those things. He's just asked to essentially agree. So if I were to say, is your name Sierra? And you would say yes. 
that's all we're doing here. He's not giving that information. He's confirming that information. And he only says yes when he is prompted by the detective. Dalton then asks if Ryan knows why he is there, to which Ryan says no. He's then read his right. And I guess in an attempt to kind of connect with Ryan Waller, Detective Dalton asks him if he's seen cops or any sort of cops show. He asks him directly, like, so have you seen cops? Ryan says no. He's never seen cops. Uh, the detective seems a little bit confused by that. He's like, you've never seen any cop show. Ryan then says yes. He agrees to the detective that he has. He's then read his rights, asked if he understands these rights. He says yes. After that, Dalton asks him what the highest grade he went to in school is. Ryan had recently graduated from high school. He was, in fact, 18 years old. But when he's asked what the highest grade he went through in school is, he says, I don't know. Again, this could just be belligerence, any suspect who's in there for a murder. So the detective asks again what the highest grade he went through in school is. He says, I don't know. He's asked again. He says eighth grade. That is not true. Ryan Waller has a high school diploma. He did complete high school. Hmm. He's asked if he graduated. He says yes, which contradicts him saying that he <laughs> only finished through eighth grade. Then Dalton asks, well, do you have a GED? He says, I don't know. At 23 minutes, he reiterates that he wants to go home. Dalton then says, you're not going to go home right now. He asks again what the highest grade he completed is. Uh, he says B, as in the letter grade B. Oh. Dalton kind of abandons that line of questioning. And then he goes on to ask, do you have a girlfriend? Ryan says no. Oh. Which does not look good. His girlfriend, Heather Kwan, is in fact deceased at this point they found her on their living room couch and after that dalton asks well do you know a girl named heather ryan says yeah and then he asks what heather's last name is heather's last name is kwan but ryan says asks a question he says the one that lives there right now dalton confirms and then he says i don't know what name she's trying to use as her last one she's trying to have a real last other nicknames i don't know this isn't making any sense it really isn't. And you can see the detective is a little bit confused at this point. But he just says, well, what nickname does she go by? Ryan then says, she probably wants the last name Kaiman, which is not Heather's last name. I, <laughs> I did not find any information to say that was ever her last name. Dalton then asks how to spell it. He asks if it starts with a C or a K. Ryan says K, but then he doesn't know how to, he says he doesn't know how to spell the rest of it. When the detective asks how old Heather is, Ryan says she's 16 or 17. Heather Kwan is 21 years old. So later, about 26 minutes, the officer asks Ryan what happened to his face. Ryan says he doesn't know. And then the officer says, well, you told the officer a few minutes ago that someone hit you. Do you remember who hit you? Ryan says, I don't know. I think it was Heather. Oh, that doesn't look good. Dalton, of course, thinks he's finally I've gotten an answer out of this guy. He asks why Heather hit him, and Ryan says, it was an accident. I forgot why. The officer asks him what was an accident. To that, Ryan says, Heather's last name. <laughs> We'd since abandoned this line of questioning about Heather's last name, so that's completely out of the blue. It's been a couple minutes since they've discussed that. And at this point, you can tell the detective's getting a little bit, you know, confused and irritated. He's like, no, what was an accident? Heather hitting me. What did she hit you with? Her hand in the eye. Mm. The detective asks, were you arguing? What was going on? Um, he says that nothing prompted her to hit him, that it was an accident. Which, if you look at his face, it's both eyes and his nose. Mm -hmm. That does not look like an accident. <laughs> that looks very intentional. It looks very intentional. The officer then asks, like, well, what was going on? Were you arguing? Ryan says she was giving Christina a cut or a head. I couldn't quite understand what he was saying. He either said she was giving Christina a head or a cut. Like a haircut, maybe? And then he says that Heather was helping Christina with her hair and that hitting him in the eye was an accident. So he says it was she was giving Christina a head or cut. Heather was helping Christina with her hair. And that hitting him was an accident. So that doesn't make any sense. Who's Christina? Um, I don't know. <laughs> she comes up a couple times, uh, but he brings up Christina. Okay. The officer then asks who Christina is, and Ryan says, she's on the couch. Oh. That's where they found Heather Kwan's body. So then Dalton asks what Christina's last name is. What does she look like? Ryan says, I don't know. They mentioned someone named Alicia, and that's their, their roommate. Ryan and Heather had a roommate named Alicia and a guy named Eric. Uh, Ryan does not seem to know either of these people, but he's pretty sure that Eric owed him money. <laughs> eventually the officer goes back to christina being on the couch 
but th- at that point, Ryan corrects him and says, no, Heather's on the couch. Ooh. Throughout this entire interrogation, one thing Ryan says repeatedly, there's you'll hear him say three things kind of over and over again. I don't know. I don't know, man. And I just want to go to sleep. Mm. Sounds like a concussion. It really does sound like a concussion. And we'll get into that a bit later. I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a police officer. But at this point, even watching it, it kind of sounds like he's concussed or he's at the very least being very, very uncooperative. Does he seem belligerent in the video? Like from his stance? No, he seems in pain. He seems uncomfortable and he does come across as confused. Okay. At least that's my opinion. You can look at the video and decide for yourself. The officer asks what happened last night. Remember that he keeps saying last night. That'll come up again. What happened last night? You're all beat up. There's a big chunk out of your nose. And if you look at that picture, if you want to look at that picture again, Sierra, at first glance, yeah. it looks like there's just a, a bloody patch on his nose. It looks like there's a chunk missing out of his nose. Yeah, a couple. There's one like there and one there. Yeah, there's one towards Ugh. the, there's one on the nostril side and then coming out the other side about an inch up. So it looks like maybe someone's grabbed him or something. It, it looks... Yeah. It doesn't look great. No. Ugh. The officer asks, what happened? Did someone grab you? Did you get into a fight with somebody? Ryan says, no, I just need to go to sleep. They get back on the topic of who Eric is or who Eric's girlfriend is. And Ryan says Eric's girlfriend is Heather. Hmm. And the officer is obviously a bit surprised by this. Um, remember, they've been in contact with Ryan's parents. They know that Ryan and Heather are dating. So the officer says, Heather, you're saying is Eric's girlfriend? Ryan says, "Mm mm-hmm. And then the officer says, or your girlfriend? Ryan asks, Heather? He says, mine. Meaning Heather is my girlfriend. And then the officer asks, Heather did this to you? Referring to his face. Ryan asks, what? He says, your eye. And then he says, nah. So remember earlier he said Heather hit him in the eye on accident. Now he's saying Heather did not hit him in the eye. This is not Heather's fault. This is not making any sense. Right. When asked who did it to him, um, Ryan then says Alicia and then says he isn't lying. I swear. He also says that. That was the third thing I mentioned earlier. I think earlier I just said, uh, I don't know, man. I want to go to sleep. You'll hear, I don't know, man. I want to go to sleep and I'm not lying over and over and over again. Which normally that's not a good indicator if they have to keep saying I'm not lying. Right. And if you've ever heard someone say, I'm not lying, like just overwhelmed, like It can come across as either whiny or just like you're tired. He, throughout his entire thing, just screams, I am tired, like bone deep tired. At this point, the officer is a bit fed up. He's getting conflicting information. He's heard that, you know, or Dalton's getting fed up. He's heard Heather hit him in the eye. Now he's saying Alicia, Heather is Eric's girlfriend or Ryan's girlfriend. So at this point, he just goes and says, Ryan, there's a dead girl in your living room. Ryan says, dead. The officer affirms. Ryan asks. Heather. Um, and the officer says, I don't know. I want to know what happened in your house last night. And then Ryan says, the girl on the couch is dead. At that point, Ryan then goes on to say that people came over, Richie and his dad. They were shooting an arrow gun and darts and they hit me and her with that. And Heather wasn't there. And Eric wasn't there. It was just me and Heather. Heather wasn't there. It was just me and Heather. So within that sentence, you have new information of who is Richie and his dad. Um, He's been shot with an arrow gun and darts. Heather wasn't there. Eric wasn't there. But Heather was there. So within that sentence, you have new information and conflicting information. So that's very strange already. Ryan then goes on to say that Richie and his dad tried to break in the back. When asked who Richie was, he said he didn't know. And then he said that he used to live there. When asked if he and Richie were friends, he says they used to be. The officer asked if it was Richie who hit him. And Ryan says it was Richie and his dad. He said they were there to try and get their stuff, but he didn't know why. So the officer is confused by the bow and arrow aspect of it all. So he's asked again about the bow and arrows. Ryan says, mm-hmm. They each had two revolvers and they didn't leave any, they didn't left any shells. Wow. Dalton then asks, and then what happened? And Ryan says, and then they shot us both. And then Dalton says, they shot you? Where'd they shoot you? Ryan then says he got shot in the eye. Hmm. After this, Ryan lays his head on the table and denies shooting Heather. The officer does ask him if he shot Heather. He then says Richie and his dad put him in a sleeping hold and shot him with the arrows. The officer does not believe that he's been shot. 
And he says to Ryan, if they shot you in the eye with a revolver, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. Ryan then says, how do you know? The officer says, because most likely you'd be dead. And that sounds logical to me. You think of a gunshot wound to the head, to the eye. There's no way you'll be ambulatory and talking to an officer. Yeah. Although thinking back to Bermondsey, didn't they try to shoot Patrick in the eye? I mean, in the head. And it didn't work. Still, I feel like you would see a little more evidence. You wouldn't think. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. But again, I'm just a common layperson. I don't know much about weapons. Ryan says, that's what I thought too. I really don't know. I just want to go back to bed. Throughout Ryan's entire interrogation, which I feel like you can agree, it's all over the place. Three details (laughs) do not change. Richie and his dad came in the back door and shot them both. Ryan was shot first. He did not see Heather get shot because he was shot first. So Richie and his dad came in, shot him first, and then they shot Heather. Those details never change. When asked about Heather being shot, Ryan says she was sleeping still, so I just let her sleep. So Ryan says he thinks he thought that the girl on the couch was asleep. We know Heather Kwan was dead. Then the interrogator, uh, Detective Dalton, is kind of getting a little bit more flustered, more frustrated. He then mentions an Ashley. I'm confident he means Alicia, who is their roommate, and says that you let Ashley in at 9.30 on Christmas Day. Ryan does not seem to know who Ashley is, which makes sense, because Ashley (laughs) is, in fact, Alicia. The detective got that piece of information wrong, despite accurately using the name Alicia earlier. Slip of the tongue could be harmless. It's important to remember that Dalton says that Ashley is Ryan's roommate, not Ryan. Because then Ryan goes on, when he's asked who Ashley is, because he says he doesn't know who she is, he says that Ashley is Richie's dad's daughter. Later, he then mentions that Heather is Richie's dad's daughter. He's very evidently not sure what he's saying. He's very confused. The officer then asks why Ryan shot Heather. Ryan says again he didn't shoot Heather, that she was already shot once by her brother. He meant Richie. The officer confirms that the brother he is referring to is Richie. Ryan then confirms at the 44 and a half minute mark, which means for 20 minutes, because remember, they didn't start the real interrogation until 20 minutes in, For 20 minutes, they've been having, for 25 minutes, they've been having a direct conversation. Dalton then asks Waller to move closer so that he can see his nose. Just remember, there's like a chunk missing out of his nose. Yeah. Uh, the officer, officer Dalton puts his hand on Ryan's head, moving it from side to side. He puts it like on the top of his head. Ryan says, ow, my head hurts and says, ow, but he lets him move his head around. He's not violent. He's not belligerent. At 45 minutes, the officer closes his binder, says, oh, oh okay, be right back. And then he leaves. And he did stutter on the okay. That wasn't just me adding that in. He was like, oh, okay, be right back. His tone noticeably changes from one of frustration to one of, he's much more gentle. He is a tone of concern. And he leaves. Ryan then puts his head down on the table. You can hear voices outside of the interrogation room at this point. You can't quite make out what they're saying. At 48 minutes, the interrogating officer, Detective Dalton, comes back with another officer. He tells Ryan that someone is going to come in and take a look at him and that they're probably going to take him to the hospital. He says that if you've seen your face and the way you're doing things, we just need to make sure you're okay, speaking to Ryan. He then asks a couple more questions. He asks what Richie's last name is. Ryan then says that he thinks he only got shot once in the eyeball. The officer says, and then you just wanted to go to sleep? Did you go back to bed after the shooting? He then asks, uh, Dalton then asks if he and Heather had a relationship. Ryan says, not after the shooting, no. The officer then reestablished the relationship between Richie and Heather. Ryan then confirms that Heather is not related to Richie. Throughout the interrogation, he is constantly um, telling Ryan to get his feet off the table. That's something I didn't mention before. At this point, because Ryan would continuously put his feet on the table, and then the officer would be like, get your feet off the table, and kind of aggressively because, I don't know, he was threatened. Um, and then at that point, Ryan puts his feet back on the table. Officer says nothing. He then takes the cuff off of Ryan. He then calls the fire department and he says, Captain, you're not going to believe this one. The uh, firefighter says, you're right. I've already heard the story and I don't believe it. 
Dalton then points out two injuries on Ryan's face, saying one looks like an entrance wound and the other looks to be an exit wound. On his nose? On his nose. (gasps) It looks like it was going to his eye. He also tells him that he's been acting like he has a serious head injury. Oh my goodness. Just to finish up, Ryan then tells the officer who's looking at his face, the kid Eric did it. I don't know how he did it. I might have been shot. I don't know. Oh no. Paramedics take his blood pressure, asked him where he was from. Blood pressure is 124 over 70, if anyone's curious. Ryan then walks out of the interrogation room and asks, where are we going? Someone says, we gotta go to the hospital, get you checked out, bro. You look like you got shot right in the face. Ryan Muller. <laughs> Ryan Muller then says, oh, I don't even know. So what happened? Yeah, that's what I want to know. First, let's go over Ryan Muller's injuries. He had, in fact, been shot in the face. He was telling the truth. Oh, my goodness. Now, the details on this go a little bit all over the place. There are what you can find officially reported from the police and then what Ryan Waller's dad believes has happened. Um, either way, the culprits are the same. I'm going to say what the police have reported, and then I'm going to tell you why I think that's not true. Um, oh. But essentially, it's believed that on December 23rd, I don't believe that 23rd is the correct date. I believe this all happened on the 25th. But from anywhere between December 23rd and December 25th, Larry Carver and his son, Richie Carver, went to Ryan's house. It's believed that they were they were there for a robbery. It's widely reported that they were there for revenge. That is not true, just based on the personal history between Ryan and Richie. And by that, I mean that there really isn't any. We'll get into that here in a second as well. The Carvers forced their way into the house. And then on their way in the house, they shot Ryan in the face. And then they killed Heather Kwan. They then left them for dead and stole a computer, several of their belongings from the scene. It's also reported that they stole several weapons. That is not correct. But essentially, they broke in, killed Ryan and Heather, robbed the place, and left. When officers from the Phoenix Police Department arrived later that night on the 25th, they found Ryan Waller still conscious. He was able then to identify his assailants. As Richie and his dad, he did get his facts mixed up a few times, but throughout, he does say that Richie and his dad shot him in the eye. So if there was no personal history, how did he know Richie's name? I'm glad you, glad you asked that. Richie did previously live in the house. If you listen to the interview and what I said earlier, when asked if Richie, who Richie was, he says that he used to live there. Now, the police officer and many news outlets have taken that to mean that he was an ex-roommate of Ryan and Heather's. This is incorrect. According to Don Waller, he was not a previous roommate of Ryan's. He was the previous tenant. And so the only overlap they had was when Richie was moving out and Ryan was moving in. Okay. And that would make sense why Richie and his dad would rob it then because they're familiar with the building and with the place and everything. Exactly. Um, It's widely reported that there was some sort of altercation that Ryan and Richie had some bad blood between the two of them, that this was revenge. It's also, you'll see a lot that uh, Richie had made a pass at Heather and Ryan hadn't taken kindly to that. It's not even confirmed. I don't believe that Ryan or Heather never met Richie. There's nothing linking them together. Um, It does sound like Ryan moved in with Eric, who had lived with Richie. And then I believe um, it's believed that Eric, the man Ryan mentioned earlier, had lived with Richie. Eric kicked Richie out. Ryan moved in. And then Eric moved out. Heather and Alicia moved in. So at the time of the shooting... Ryan, Heather, and Alicia lived there. But Eric was a previous tenant and so was Richie. He never lived with Richie. Richie was just a previous tenant, which is what Ryan says. He does say that he used to live there, not that they used to live together. Uh, Don Waller also says that Richie had come back by the house a couple times once to ask for mail. And then apparently at one point they caught him in the backyard. This is when Eric and Ryan were there kind of looking around and he his story was that he lost a four foot long iguana and he was looking for it um then eric kind of threatened him off don waller believes that this was him casing the house because he did see ryan moving in and it said that ryan you know had a couple of really nice guitars he had a computer he had a couple of nice things this was ryan he was 18 years old he was moving into this new place he hadn't lived there for very long when this happened and Something that Don Waller said, there's an excellent interview between They Were Monsters. It's a You can find their podcast on Spotify. You can find them on YouTube. They have a, a wonderful website. They went out and interviewed 
uh, Ryan's father. And Don Waller believes that he showed back up to the house to look for his mail and then to look for that iguana to case out the joint because honestly, that's a great crime <laughs> not to be whatever. It's Christmas, they believe. It's reported widely that this happened on the 23rd. Um, Don does not believe that and I'll go into why in a second. It's it's excellent. It's Christmas. Who's going to be home? Um, right. Because they weren't supposed to be home. They were supposed to be at dinner, but they came just too early or something along those lines. If you ever are suspected of the crime for burglary, well, of course, your DNA is in that house. You used to live there. That's reasonable That's doubt. Point. Maybe they, they showed up, and this is all speculation. Maybe they showed up. They were surprised by Ryan and Heather, and now they had witnesses. Uh, you'll find that Richie Carver has a lengthy criminal history. This was not his first offense. Um, this isn't even his first violent offense. Oh. Yeah. So it, it w- would have been an easy hit uh easy robbery had things gone more to plan moving back to richie carver and his dad larry carver they were arrested and convicted they weren't arrested till i think about 35 days after ryan had been brought into custody we'll get into that in a second but in june 2008 richie carver was convicted of felony murder burglary aggravated assault and misconduct involving weapons and was sentenced to a term sentenced to a natural life in prison. Larry Carver, his sentencing was a bit different. So Richie Carver was arrested and sentenced. However, Larry Carver was a, another matter. His wife, Cheryl, initially went to police and said that her husband was involved and then later recanted her statement and said that she could not remember Larry's confession. She also claimed that she lied about that just to spite him because of a rocky relationship and because of marital privilege, she could not be compelled to testify against him. So the case against Larry was dismissed because the evidence against him was based on confessions made to his wife. So he was acquitted. Now, Heather's family obviously did not stand for that. Of course not. So they pushed to enact legislature that would become known as Heather's Law, which basically says that if if you make a confession about a spouse, you can then be compelled to testify about the confession you've made. Marital privilege will not keep you from testifying about things you've already made a statement to police about. After Heather's law was passed, there was a three-year battle, like a legal battle, over whether or not that could reopen Larry Carver's case, and it can be applied retroactively to Larry Carver. In November 2011, the Court of Appeals ruled that Cheryl could testify against Larry, and he was reindicted, and at that point he was charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder for Ryan Waller, burglary, and aggravated assault. So in December of 2012, specifically December 14th, there was a 10-day trial and a two-day jury deliberation. So in the end, he was Larry Carver was found guilty on all counts and was sentenced to life in prison without parole on January 25th, 2013. So Richie Carver and Larry Carver were both sentenced to life in prison for the murder and attempted murder. Of Ryan Waller. Now, I've mentioned throughout the past several minutes, there is a lot of misinformation out there. Um, even in official news channels, you'll see stuff reported like Ryan Waller had a plethora of weapons in his house. Even in his interrogation, uh, Officer Dalton asks him if he has a lot of weapons at home, and he says no. Don Waller says that the only weapon his son had was a handgun that was a gift to him from his grandfather. He did not have a ton of weapons. You'll see that reported widely. And that's just not true. I found a lot of this information in the This Is Monsters documentary slash podcast. You can find it in video form on YouTube and then in podcast form pretty much wherever you can listen to podcasts. Sierra and I both try to not use podcasts as sources just because oftentimes it's very easy to hear a podcaster's opinion. And if you don't realize that it's an opinion, you can consider it a fact. And that's how you get misinformation being spread like crazy. However, considering that the podcaster interviewed Ryan's father, um, Don Waller, or Donald Don Waller, I decided to use this podcast as a source in the interest of accurately expressing the feelings and opinions of the Waller family and Heather Kwan's family um, and those directly affected by Richie and Larry Carver. I felt it was necessary to, to use this podcast and specifically quotes from his interview. I highly recommend you go watch the interrogation video and listen or watch this documentary podcast. It's filled with great information about 
um, Ryan Waller, the case. And that's where you can get some solid information about what happened to Ryan Waller after the fact. Now, I unfortunately, Ryan Waller did pass away in 2016 due to injuries sustained from his gunshot wound. So he did live, uh, this did happen in 2006. So he did live for another 10 years after, but his quality, it's closer to nine years because he passed away in January and this happened on Christmas of 20, of 2006. Um, his quality of life was de- definitely lessened. Don Waller says that the rhyme was like someone with Alzheimer's and he would just tell the same story over and over again because he couldn't quite mm. remember telling it before. He also had some, he had a seizure disorder. Um, which is ultimately what led to his death. He would have, his father said he suffered many injuries. At one point, he bit off half of his tongue, which is not uncommon for people with seizures that they'll accidentally bite themselves. It's unfortunately a mm-hmm. common injury. He said at one point he got his foot stuck in between like the, the posts of a bed and it broke his ankle. Oh. And then the an injury that ultimately ended his life, he suffered a seizure in a grocery store and he ended up hitting his head on the ground, like a cement grocery oh. store floor. He had to get 40 stitches or <sighs> in his head. And it caused a brain bleed, which led to his passing on January 20th of 2016. He was only oh 27 goodness. years old. Oh, that's awful. After he passed away, the family could have brought murder charges against Larry and Richie Carver because their actions did directly lead to their son's death. They chose not to, though, just because... It would have been expensive, a drawn-out process, and they were already serving a life term, so they felt that was adequate, and it wasn't likely to change. They wasn't going to change their sentence. Right. So just to to clear up a few facts that we found, or that I found after the fact, because I'm going to tell you right now, it didn't take me that much longer to find all this information, but my first dive into this, I missed a lot, and I would have been sitting here telling you, oh, Richie Carver was his roommate. He wasn't. There was a lot of guns in the house. There was this, that, or the other, because that's what's widely reported, even from reputable news sources, because it's just untrue. Now, from here on out, we're going to talk about some facts. Then after that, we're going to get into some opinion, because I really want to know what Sierra's opinion is about some of this. (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But so here's a few things that Don Waller specifically um, gave us some insight to. Remember when we mentioned a random Ashley? And then that kind of brings Ryan in the interrogation where Dalton references an Ashley. He means Alicia, um, but he says Ashley. And then that's when Ryan starts saying, oh, Ashley is so-and-so's daughter. Yes. According to Don Waller, Ryan had a stepsister named Ashley. And this is common with brain injuries where he, he has that piece of information and he's trying to fill it in. So he knows Ashley is someone's daughter. Oh, I see. So that led to some confusion, some um, him just trying to fill in information. And then throughout this, there's several points where Ryan is talking. And this is a... So some common misconceptions that you'll hear is you'll hear that Richie was Ryan's roommate and that they had bad blood. Incorrect. Richie was just a previous tenant of the home Ryan rented. Um, you'll hear that Ryan had many guns in the home. That is false. Um, according to Don Waller, he only had one gun and it was a gift from his grandfather. Another thing you'll see is that Ryan lost both of his eyes. This is incorrect. He only lost his left eye, which is the eye he was shot in. Um, his right eye, according to Don, was removed during surgery, but then placed back in. So he could see out of his right eye. That is crazy to me. Just brain swelling, man. It's insane. Oh. Heather had likely never met Richie. You'll see that Richie had made a pass at Heather, and that's why Ryan was angry at him. That's why Ryan kicked him out of their shared home. Incorrect. It is unlikely Heather ever met Richie. Another thing you'll see is that this happened on the 23rd, that Ryan and Heather were shot on the 23rd and were not found until the 25th. Which, that's a long time for Ryan to be walking around with a bullet in his brain. Precisely. Now... So how do we know it was not the 23rd? This comes from Heather's initial autopsy, Ryan Waller's father, and just Ryan Waller's injuries. Okay. Um, Initially, Heather Kwan's autopsy showed that she died between 5 o'clock and 8 p.m. on the 25th. That was the date they believed her to have passed. Now, after they found out Ryan Waller had been shot in the face and then held in police custody for six hours, 
And not to go on a rabbit trail, that's another reason, another thing you'll hear a lot, that he was interrogated for six hours. Not true. He was in custody for six hours. So he wasn't just interrogated for six continuous hours. He was in a police car for four hours, brought back to the station for two, and then interrogated for an hour. But then after they found out Ryan Muller had been shot in the eye and he'd been in police custody for six hours before receiving medical treatment, those days got backdated, according to Don Waller. Now, why would they be backdated, you ask? That's a great question. The Waller family sued the Phoenix Police Department in the city for $15 million. Oh, which I find to be reasonable. Well, yeah. I mean, Ryan's state of life was completely altered. And and he died an early death. Right. And you think about medical bills and just treatment. And he had a continuing disability because of it. So... It's not been publicly reported, but Don Waller confirmed they were suing $15 million in this against the Phoenix the police, the Phoenix Police Department in the city of Phoenix for the mishandling of Ryan's case. Three weeks before they were set to go to trial, the city of Phoenix brought in a document that says that the six hours Ryan was in police custody did not have any effect on his brain injury. The judge sided with the city and dismissed the case three weeks before trial was set to begin. I'm not a brain surgeon, (laughs) but Don Waller said that he had a doctor that he had to pay $10,000 on retainer out of pocket to review um, Ryan's injuries, who says that every second in a a TBI or traumatic brain injury is critical because when your brain is bleeding, it is swelling. And so every second, every minute, every hour that you are bleeding and swelling, that's causing more damage. We also find out from... Don Waller, that Ryan's uh, eye socket had broken. Six pieces of his eye socket were in his brain. Um, A chunk of his skull, the second bullet hit his head, took a chunk of his skull, but did not strike his brain. Oh my goodness. Took a chunk of his brain, or did not, sorry, took a chunk of his skull, but did not damage his brain. Another thing is they were not able to operate on Ryan until the 28th of December. So for an additional three days, he sat there with pieces of brain and or pieces of skull in his brain because infection had set in through his nasal cavity. So his dad believes since the bullet went through his nose and through his sinus cavity and then into his brain, that brought with it, you know, obviously some bacteria that could have been within his sinus cavity, which led to an infection, which meant they couldn't operate. So his the doctor he brought in said every second, every hour counts. Those six hours could have been vital to even just that infection not setting in and saving him from an additional three days without operation. Um, there's also something known as the golden hour. Within the first hour of a brain injury that you want to seek treatment, you want to get that addressed. Because the longer you wait, the more damage you're doing. Because you have something sitting in your brain matter. Yeah. Makes sense. But this judge was okay with saying, I believe it was an in-state doctor that, don't quote me on that, but I believe it's what Don Waller said, said that those six hours did not have any effect. And the judge agreed and dismissed the case. The Wallers could have sued again. Uh, They chose not to because had they lost, all of the state's legal fees would have fallen on them and would have just destroyed them. Yeah. Um, and they, they felt that the deck was clearly stacked against them. So the state is basically saying, oh, well, Ryan was shot on the 23rd. So those six hours didn't do anything. And they're basing that date off of um, a pizza was ordered to that address. And that's the last time somebody saw Ryan and Heather was when they paid for that pizza. And no one heard from them on the 24th. And Ryan's dad says, yeah, he's 18. It's not unusual to go out of contact with someone for 24 hours. And I would agree. I mean, I live states away from my family. I keep in regular contact with them. Um, probably too much contact. Sorry, mom. <laughs> <laughs> and if I were to go 24 hours without texting my mother, she would not think anything of it. Yeah. Sometimes I go for a few days without contacting my family. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably, you know, see how they're doing and let them know I'm alive still. Right. I have like siblings that I haven't spoken to directly in months. And I'm like, they're fine. <laughs> like, it's not unusual. It's not weird. Oh, no one, te- no one spoke to them. On the 24th, I mean, I guess there was no proof that they looked into cell phone records or something and said that, oh, nothing happened on their phones from the 24th to the 25th. Um, But an autopsy initially found that Heather had died on the 25th. And that is not easy to determine, but easily determined, you know, through body temperature, lividity, things like that, how long someone has been deceased. And so the initial 
autopsy said, you know, she died between 5 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Secondary autopsy report shows anywhere from the 23rd to the 25th. So she still could have died on the 25th, according to the second autopsy. Yes, but they're saying, oh, the 23rd. Mm. Because that fits their narrative a bit better, and it takes some of the culpability off of the police department. And again, this information is coming from Don Waller, and he is directly linked to this case that is his son. Yeah. He has a financial uh, stake in this. However, yes. uh, the initial autopsy does say that she passed away on the 25th. And remember how I said, remember how the detective kept referring to what happened last night? Yes. At the time, they believed it was the 25th. Yes. Hmm. So at that point, I feel it's convenient. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe usually in governmental conspiracy. I'm not usually one to tear down police departments. But the Phoenix Police Department, as of 2021, was being investigated by the FBI for uh, misconduct on multiple levels, not just this case. And the Detective Dalton also has a several uh, has a few allegations against him for um, misconduct involving different cases. Now, oh, the officer that was interrogating him. Ah. Um, it also, according to Don Waller, he said that he lied, that he lied when being interviewed by a lawyer. Um, he said that the, again, I didn't find this document. This is coming directly from the This Is Monsters documentary where he, Detective Dalton said that the firefighters didn't believe that he'd been shot in the face and that they said that it probably wasn't, but they take him to the hospital. Anyway, that's on video. And they right. do not say that. <laughs> um and again, as much as I don't want to believe that this was mishandled or covered up in any way to kind of save the police some face, it's a very, either, either way, the ball was dropped. Yeah. Yeah. Even if he was shot on the 23rd, he should have been taken to the hospital as soon as possible with those injuries. Like he was showing, he clearly showed signs of at least having a concussion. Any sort of brain injury should be taken care of. He showed pretty clear signs of something called aphasia. Um, are you familiar with that? I am not. <laughs> um, it's when you have a brain injury and you are filling in the wrong word from your mind, but you don't quite realize it. So if I were to have suffered a concussion or some sort of TBI and I could be saying literally anything, but think that I'm saying something else, I could think in my head that I've said, how are you doing? But I've actually said like pan dinosaur purple because my mind is just filling in words. I see. So that's, and he shows signs of that throughout where he gets names wrong, he says things backwards, or he says that Heather is Richie's dad's daughter, or Ashley is Richie's dad's daughter. When he says Eric instead of Richie, and when a couple of details get switched, that's a sign of aphasia. But yeah, there's a couple of things that definitely could have been done better. The ball was definitely dropped, and I don't think, I don't think it's unfair to say that. I don't think it's overly antagonistic to say that the ball was dropped. Just, if it was just his injuries. I would not have thought, if you showed me that man's face and said, he's been shot in the face twice, I would not have believed you. Right, I wouldn't have either. If you told me he got into a fight um, and got the snot beat out of him, I would have <laughs> definitely believed you. He looks like he's been a, like in some sort of assault, but he doesn't, like, <laughs> he's not what you would consider someone who has a gunshot wound to the head. So if mm -hmm. they just said, oh, well, we thought he was fine. Another thing I want to bring up, I had not seen this anywhere in my initial research, but Ryan Waller also had a broken jaw at the time of his, his dad was called to the hospital the day after, um, it was the 26th, so the day after he'd gone to his house, and he said he got a call from the hospital at like 7.03 in the morning, and the hospital said that his son was in critical condition, and he went down to the hospital, and they were explaining his injuries, and they say that he has these gunshot wounds, he has brain damage and things like this. They're saying that he has um, a gunshot wound, he's got this black eye, his eyes, his left eye is damaged, he has pieces of his own eye socket in his brain, and then they tell him he has a broken jaw, and he asks how that's related, because there's, if you look at the photos, there's not injuries to the lower half, like from his nose yeah. down, there's no injuries. His dad had gotten his hands on the police report, and it said that when Ryan lets him in the house, he just keeps at, he would not comply with police commands to get on the ground he just kept asking what's going on which we know now he had suffered a traumatic brain injury that's not strange um but they had to take him to the ground which means <gasps> oh no which means force and then he they wanted him to put his hands behind his back and he wouldn't comply which is not 
strange. He has a traumatic brain injury. But as far as they know, he's just being belligerent. And again, this is them looking at him as the culprit, not someone who could have possibly been also attacked. So the officer notes that he had to use a tactic to get him to stop talking. And what he did, there's a pressure point along your jaw that you can push your thumb into. And he did that. He issued um, that maneuver on Ryan Waller. And his father believes that is why his jaw is broken. Because that was um, something that they had done to his son. So, But you don't see that jaw, like his jaw being broken reported anywhere. Oh my goodness. And I don't know. It, what really gets me, again, we're done with all the facts. This is just opinion. What really gets <laughs> me is no one's going to blame you. Well, I won't say no one. Rational people are not going to blame the police department for not recognizing it immediately as a gunshot wound. Oh, no, I would never have guessed that he was shot in the head because I would have assumed if you were shot in the head, you would just be dead or at least have signs of like, I would not have thought those two wounds on his nose were bullet holes. Oh, yeah. No, it it looks strange, especially like when the head is concerned. I I mean, smaller bullets can result in smaller wounds. Um, But even the difference between an entry and an exit wound, it doesn't look that different. Yeah. Really exit, but it's Ugh. but you can be held culpable for the fact that I don't know, even if it had been a twenty minute interrogation at his like or an hour long interrogation at the level of where his head was at, I still think that's ridiculous. But it's more understandable than we left him in a police cruiser for four hours, we took pictures of him for an hour or what have you, and then interrogated him for another hour before we decided to get him help. This is after his family had called at eight o'clock. And then they didn't show up until about midnight. And then they didn't get into the house for like another hour, hour and a half after that. And I don't understand if it's just Phoenix law. I highly doubt it. But you can get, they stopped and they got that warrant to enter into that house. Now, Ryan did not own that house he was renting, which could be part of it. But there is law set in place that if you have, as a police officer, reason to believe someone within the house is injured or needs assistance, you are allowed to enter the premises. That was actually something I didn't understand when you were first telling me because I assumed for a wellness check, you could just enter the premises. That's what I would assume when you're not getting an answer. Uh, it's th- That was very odd to me. So especially when the one officer looked in the window and said, there's a body. They waited 54 minutes, according to Don Waller, to get a warrant to enter the home. And then they waited for a police, like a, a lockpick to come. Yeah, that was the other thing. I was like, why couldn't they just break down the door once they had the warrant? For some reason, they chose not to. And this might be something we need to explore in a future Tangent Tuesday, like what the laws are as far as entry and all of that goes. As far as I understand, they were covered by that law. Okay. There is no reason that they should not have been able to enter that home. Uh, Why they chose to go about it the way they did. And because when the officer said there's a body there, or I think there's a body there, his parents were removed from the scene. So they had already established this as an act of crime scene. And Alicia, at that point, I didn't go into this earlier because it's kind of a lot of details and we're going back and forth with different dialogues, but she was home and she had entered the home and not thought anything was wrong. And Alicia and Alicia and Ryan both say that this had to have happened on the 25th. So wait, she entered the home on the 25th? Mm-hmm. So was she gone while Richie and Larry were entering? Oh, right. Okay. Um, Don Waller believes there's like a 15 minute gap where they had been standing in front of the house from like 8 o'clock to 11 something when the cops came to check it out. Uh, there's a 15 minute break where they went to go get coffee and they missed her going in the house. So had that happened, it's, it's very sad because had that happened, you know, they would have called the police, but then they probably could have gotten an ambulance for their son because they weren't allowed to see him after because he was brought out of the house and put in that cop car. And Don Waller says that he was he was standing on one end of a cul-de-sac and his, his wife was on the other. And she was telling him, it's Ryan, it's Ryan, because he couldn't see because his face was so, his face was so uh, badly bruised. And so we put him in the cop car. He tries to walk up to talk to his son and a cop gets in his face. And it's just kind of, t- he tells him, you know, you can't talk to your son, but then kind of like puffs up his chest and is getting aggressive with him. And you should really listen to that uh, podcast and documentary by They Were Monsters. Um, or Yeah, I think I'm going to have to give that a listen. This is honestly, insane. Or sorry, by This Is Monsters. Go ahead and give that a listen because he says, I'm standing there with tears falling down my face because my son is in whatever situation this is. 
and I got this man trying to trying to fight me. <laughs> and so, yeah. which again, you can't let somebody go talk to a suspect. Right. But, yeah, I can. Oh, sorry. Go on. Well, I was going to say, I can see both sides to this. Like you understand he didn't, he does seem to be the prime suspect. He doesn't look like he's been shot in the head. And yes, like you said, you can't let the parents or anybody onto the crime scene. So I can understand why the police did most of what they did. I just think he should have been taken to the hospital way sooner. Innocent until proven guilty was not taken into consideration in this case. However, you can't. It's my personal belief that they were at least a little bit aware that he was concussed and maybe thought it'd be easier to get a confession out of him. That's all speculation um, because he could have and should have been brought to the hospital. Ron Waller also says when he was in the hospital, no one came to speak to him about anything until after he was out of the hospital. Which meant that for over a month after killing Heather Kwan and brutally injuring Ryan Waller, Larry and Richie Carver were free to do whatever they wanted. And Richie already had a record, so yes. I mean, there was he most likely would do something again, or there was a good chance of it. Right. He's already committed a murder. I mean, you can't go much further than that. He's already got a, a long rap sheet. He's committed a murder, and it was all for financial gain. We can try it. You can see where they try and put a revenge aspect on this, but there really isn't one. There was no previous history that would require that kind of revenge or not require, but, you know, where you would see someone wanting that kind of revenge. So it's just it's absolutely crazy. And it's very, very sad that Heather Kwan's death is covered up by this kind of whole police conspiracy of misconduct and Ryan Waller's interrogation and this, that, and the other, and that the Waller family has suffered multiple times. They have no justice for this. The people who killed their son aren't even in prison for his murder, which that was their choice not to re-go into court for that, but they don't have the assistance for his finances and, like, the financial burden that would have been not, like, I mean, it would have been a financial burden. They're not expecting to have to care for their son and pay medical bills for an injury that harshly changed his life. It's absolutely tragic. It's it's just very, very, it's tragic and it's senseless. And it's very sad that this is the story that we're telling today. Um, but again, go watch that video. Because when you think of interrogation gone wrong, you think of this whole like mentality of a police officer who's aggressive and violent. But there's no violence in this. There's just straight up misconduct. There's just straight up mishandling of facts and evidence and not getting someone to the hospital in time which ironically larry carver when they went to go arrest him he ran and they sent dogs after him and he was bitten by one of the dogs so before he was taken into police custody for interrogation he was sent to the hospital Mm. but he was sent immediately well it probably because it was the police force's dogs that did it so yeah but that is the procedure it's it's very sad i mean I don't know. It's a different story. I think if the Phoenix Police Department had come out here and said, we we messed this one up. Or or even if they had like the kind of response of, oh, we didn't know. We followed procedure. But then there's also kind of, it seems to be this covering up of, oh, well, any and all culpability. Like, oh, those six hours didn't make any difference to his overall diagnosis. Yeah. I mean, Which, again, I would disagree with. I mean, again, I'm not a medical professional, but even if he had been shot on the 23rd, which I do feel is doubtful that he would have lasted that long in the condition, as good of a condition that he was on the 25th. But, right. but even if he were shot on the 23rd, six hours could still make a big difference. Right. And it's just the four hours in the police car. I mean, this could have been a two-hour situation had they immediately brought him back to precinct and interrogated him then. And again, I, I don't know. I don't have a lack of faith in my police department. Right. But policemen to... are people as well. Like, it's, right. they make mistakes. And I'm wondering if this has altered the procedures for that police department at all, or other police departments, if this has made right. them more mindful of dealing with injuries. Uh, a lot of this came up in 2021, and it's now 2023. I've not found any update, so to speak, on what exactly has happened there. I know there was a review done by the FBI. Um, to check the procedures are being followed. And I, at the very least, if anything needed to be tightened up after that, I'm sure if the FBI is breathing down your neck, you're going to be like, all right, <laughs> let's, let's fix that. I mean, ultimately, the only thing that could have prevented all this was Richie and Larry Carver not being murderers and thieves. Yeah. It's very, very sad. Yes, it is very sad. And 
for a little while, I forgot about Heather while we were going through everything that was happening with Ryan. But that's the other thing to remember is that a woman did lose her life. Well, and Ryan lost his life as well just later. Right. So it's I very mean, sad for both families. It's, it's Yes, it's very sad. We have Heather's Law, and I'm really, really glad for that. Maybe one day we'll get Ryan's Law <laughs> and something on that side will be pushed forward about head injuries and handling interrogation in that regard. Or I don't even know. But that is the story of Ryan Waller and Heather Kwan. Yeah, really look at that. This is Monsters uh, podcast documentary. And then also the interrogation video itself i was very lucky the first time i saw that interrogation video i went into it it was just like the next thing i was watching other interrogation videos on youtube and it was ryan waller interrogation and i almost didn't watch it because it was an hour long but i did and i i didn't let myself read the comments which i which is good uh because i really should have but that would have like you know everyone in the comments is obviously an outpouring of support for his parents or just outrage that this happened to him but i did not know watching that interrogation that he had a bullet in his head at that very mm. moment so it's just it's it's wild that yeah also yes at the very least the good if we have to put a good spin on it that i'm sure this has changed some police officers point of view when it comes to head injuries that someone could be more injured even if they are answering your questions and following your directives and that wraps up this week's case next week sierra is going to be talking about david leonard wood if i remember correctly. yes he is also known as the desert killer he will be the first serial killer that we are talking about and his case is interesting because although he was sentenced to death he passed his execution date he is still alive no execution date has been no new execution date has been set and next week we will get into why all right, this is really interesting. I'm not too familiar with this case, which I think will be good because usually I know too much <laughs> about these things. Yeah, don't look anything up before then. <laughs> All right, that wraps it up for this week. Remember, be aware, take care, and we'll see you next week. Bye. <laughs>